What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Raw Select Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome friends, you're listening to episode 38 of the Blue in Green podcast. How are you? I hope you're well. My name is Imran. I greatly appreciate your time and your company uh, as always. So thank you very much for checking us out today. Um, We kicked off 2020 fairly well uh, with our episode last week. Uh, We, uh, Rhonda uh, from San Jose, California, uh, and obviously a key member of the Blue in Green radio team, we had the opportunity to sit down as uh, as the Prince Diamond hard aficionados that we are and we discussed in depth uh, Prince's um, uh, Super Deluxe Warner Brothers Super Deluxe reissue of Prince's 1999 all five glorious discs uh, we kind of had the opportunity to delve into and discuss and celebrate um, as we said with with diehard Prince fans so uh, it was a dream project and we had a really great time talking all things Prince and we've had some lovely feedback from people that checked out that episode last week so thank you very much for doing so we do talk Prince a lot whenever Ronda and I get together uh, so um, yeah and um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, this week's episode continues uh, with a very strong uh, 2020 for us, doing very well already. Um, we kind of have the opportunity to sit down with somebody I've wanted to talk to for a, a super long time. Uh, we've been able to host Eclectic Beats um, for... I think it's been, we're into a couple years now, which is really exciting. Uh, we're talking about the, the wonderful, uh, masterful uh, Rui Fredino. Um, now, Rui presents and hosts his show, Eclectic Beats, uh, on a monthly basis. And he broadcasts it live through uh, his Facebook page. Uh, and uh, he kind of grants us license to be able to host his show uh, the next the next day, uh, in most cases. So it's, uh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure that... Um, that he, you know, he, he kind of grants us that um, that privilege to, to be able to host it because he's his shows are just amazing. They're a masterclass of contemporary broken beat, uh, and um, he, yeah, it's his his passion for music, which is probably something that I've clicked with the most. Um, he's 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 just super passionate, and I, I'm really proud to say anyone on blue and green radio you tune to any of their shows it's that just passion screams through and that's probably something that i really really resonated and clicked with when hearing Rui's uh show i think through his mixcloud page and originally and uh yeah it's uh, it's just a wonderful uh, masterclass of 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 djing of 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 how to put a show together and uh Again, I'm back to that word passion, and that's kind of, he just, uh, he really uses it, and um, it's, a, it's a super cool um, uh, trait for, for someone to, I think, for people to pick up on when you're you're doing what you do, and um, so as I said, I've wanted to talk to Rui for ages, and uh, finally made it happen, but so with, with twice the excitement, I'm able to say that it's going to happen twice, because we had such an in-depth conversation. Um, we've managed to sort of schedule another one in. So um, this conversation you're about to hear is kind of Rui's path uh, uh, from um, 
getting into DJing at an incredibly young age. Uh, his path basically uh, to come over to London, his, uh, his path and journey into Broken Beat as well and um, we just talk about some of his wonderful experiences that he's had in London and um, where he's at now Uh, but you see that's great and it's a great conversation you're going to hear it in its entirety momentarily however there's just so many things we didn't really get to talk about uh, namely his show his radio show Eclectic Beats and um, you know how long that's been running and putting it together and uh, his record label that he's on the verge of starting his his own music that he's uh, he's he puts together he puts uh, remixes out uh, for stuff as well that I desperately wanted to, to talk to him about so as I said we're scheduled we've already scheduled uh, our second conversation so we'll aim to be releasing that in uh, February uh, 2020 very early in February so I'm um, looking forward to, to having that conversation and obviously for you guys to hear it so we have part one we're about to jump into now um, yeah yeah it's a really great episode uh, and it's in sort of a nice tag on I think in terms of broken beat broken beat I guess as a genre uh, we've not really delved too much into it through these podcasts so following on from that really great conversation that we had with the amazing Sean Khan a couple of months ago uh, and I'd urge you guys to check that one out if you're a contemporary jazz fan if you're a broken beat fan I really would urge you to check out our conversation with Sean Khan um, but so this works as a nice addendum to that within broken beat I felt anyway judge for yourselves uh huge thanks to Rui man I really really enjoyed it and uh, we're about to hear his conversation right now regular listeners firstly will know we play two songs on these podcasts the first is the uh, selection of our guest Rui who'll pick who'll be picking the closing number but I get the luxury of picking the first one and and as the show uh is about kind of a journey into the world of broken beat just from a fan perspective um I thought I would uh, play a song from an album that we we mentioned in the conversation um he, uh, we initially mentioned jazzanova as being one of his key uh, opening uh, names into broken beat uh, for me absolutely it was jazzanova but it was also for hero and we i mentioned the album creating patterns came out in the very early 2000s uh so i'm going to play a song from that one as my opening number um it's not necessarily a broken beat song as well but it's just gorgeous and it's from a wonderful album so i'm going to pick uh, the day of the greys with uh, the luxurious silky smooth voice of mr terry collier and uh, that's my track right now i'm going to go to it uh, and then we'll go straight to uh, uh rui fredino a uh, quick reminder again, you can find us, uh, the, well these podcasts run in conjunction with the online internet radio station blueandgreenradio.com You can find us at www.blueandgreenradio.com We'd love for you to check us out, we celebrate contemporary soul, jazz, funk, latin, hip-hop, broken beat um, Consider ourselves something of a 21st century radio station, we'd love for you to check us out As well as these podcasts as well where you can meet all the blue and green radio presenting team As well as a whole host of incredible artists who have been really fortunate well, Excuse me, who we've been really fortunate enough to be able to talk to and spend time with So, I've talked too long, here we go ladies and gentlemen uh, For Hero and then it's Rui Fredino
How are you doing? I'm very well. Are you well? I am. I am uh, in the Algarve right now, getting some sun on my face whilst talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> well, half of that sounds great, being in the Algarve. So you're in Portugal right now. How how long have you been there? Is yeah. it extended Christmas holiday? It's always, I always come for, spend Christmas and New Year and uh, in the New Year because January is um, a bit slower work-wise. You know, I'm, right. I'm a freelancer and um, junior editor, video editing assistant. And uh, in January, it's a bit, it's a bit uh, slow. So I prefer right. to stay here, you know, and enjoy Portugal a bit more because I do miss it after 11 years, you know. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard. It's hard on your head and on your heart. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's another story, you, you know. I feel a bit divided now. Um, I really want to come back, but my line of work here is not prof- as profitable as it is in London. And, you know, on top of it to sustain my vinyl um, addiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, vinyl addiction aside, is it is like, is your work uh, the kind of thing you could do remotely in terms of, is it something you actually need to be present for or could you just get set up in Portugal and then still contact technology people? is indeed changing, but um, the, the sort of places I still work, they're post-production houses come mm. that have localized um, media storage. So, they work with, um, you know, video editing systems like Avid, the DigiDesign, like Pro Tools makers. Right. They also make the video editing software. And most places I work for, they work with Avid. Um, to have, <clears throat> for me to be working here doing the same sort of work, it wouldn't make sense, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a, just an assisting work. If it's editing, that's a different story. You can cut stuff now. And then you can cut it on high res. Um, that's what I'm aiming to towards um, to become. You know, I've got I've got a little show reel now, and cut cut a long story short. Work wise in Portugal, mm. it's not the same because um, there's only four TV channels, two state ones that has got sub branches like um, RTP Africa, um, RTPN online channels, blah blah blah. But all the production is is done in house, so. They they hardly book freelancers. They've got their in-house stuff already, and that's RTP, which is like the BBC One and Two. Right. And you know, I've done my research. I've got friends of working on all the four channels, and some of them work oh, wow. for a private sports channel. And they told me, Rui, if you're making two hundred pounds a day, you 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 can't you can't get that here. If you wow. work for a TV station. First of all, you can't work straight up as an editor because there are seven, seven, seven dogs to a bone. That's a Portuguese saying, right. um, yeah. translated or an attempt to literally translate it, you know, because there's so many people. You've sure. got to know people, you've got to brown those people. And, you know, a couple of my friends, I've asked them because I've been asking myself for like four years now, is it worth it to be in London? You know, I'm a broken beat fanatic, as you know. Yeah. I, I go new jazz. I go global i used to call it world music but people find that offensive i don't see it as an as an offensive label mm. honestly honestly um i had a, a chat with pete buckingham from um on on the corner records right because i met him at um a worldwide festival in laison the winter edition which is not running anymore you know and, and it's makes me sad because it was the f- best festival i'm a snowboarder as well, yes as a skateboarder <laughs> so uh, you know i was chatting to him and he detests the 
the label World Music because I think it was something within the music industry, the white privilege in music industry, big names, putting all the globalized music into this sort of world music crate, which people mm. allegedly say that it sounds a bit racist. Racist. I never, I never had it as a racist or as a, or a xenophobic um, terminology. You know, I've always had it because because I'm I'm also very naive. I I come from a countryside background. You know, um, listening to Portuguese traditional folk music since the early ages, and then. Mm. You know, but eleven years on, my heart is divided because I love my country. I just can't be able to work um, here in companies here and get the same amount of money. So I had to humble mm. down, which I'm not opposed to, to, to do anyway. I'm even thinking of coming back because obviously, you know, political situations aside, Brexit is not helping yet as well. Right. Of course. I'm, I'm an European union citizen. I don't feel directly threatened or anything because I'm in London. London is a bubble. Yeah. You can call me a lefty. You can call me because I'm middle-aged bellied vinyl loner <laughs> you know, I, I match all the stereotypes you know but it's just not making sense to me anymore because uh, i want i wanted to be closer to the broken big cats but you can now do that even if you're in portugal you know i was hoping that my move to london would get me more gigs would get me more involved with collaborations with people and it turns out i'm getting more gigs outside of the uk <laughs> and collaborations with people outside of the uk too so yeah know, like the uh, mjdc label as well yeah, isn't exactly. it like you've got stuff with them i'm really sorry if if my conversation is you know like a bit next sounds a bit negative it's not i'm i'm, a, I'm an optimistic person but mm. i'm also almost i'm going to be 45 years old in february oh wow congratulations I'm wow. Getting, yeah I'm, I'm getting slightly less younger as i like to put. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to call myself older but you know my beard is graying out in my head. <laughs> but, you know, it's all about the love. And that's what made me move to London 11 years mm. ago. It was to be more involved with the Broken Beat team because Broken Beat comes to me at a later stage in my in my life, you know. It's funny you mentioned that, not to get, again, not to get too political, but you use that phrase about London being a bubble, which is a it's sort of a, a phrase that's really ringing true for me at the moment because I it's not something that used to make any sense to me I used to you know I can understand why people say it now because a yeah. lot of the political decisions that you know are, are influenced outside of London are becoming quite apparent yes and and I think uh um I thought I remember when uh Sadiq Khan was was elected mayor of London and I thought wow this is an incredible turning point yeah. for uh for our country yeah. but it wasn't it was a turning point for London it wasn't even the turning point for London because it was probably what people expected London to do but then after that it was Brexit and it was subsequent decisions made after that so yeah. it is difficult to to kind of to to be in the, in the country the way I see it, and you know I know Spain quite a bit as well mm. You know, Spanish are like nuestros hermanos. They're like our little brothers. People say that, you know, we know from the times where, where we've done all the atrocities around the world and conquered and, you know, and right. enslaved and stolen the gold from, which I don't vouch for and I'm not proud of, but it's part of a history, you know, and one should learn with history. And that's that's a big difference. I see, I, I see Portuguese people having been one of the greatest with a great empire, 
And you look at the British Empire, and it was all, you know, built up on pillaging and atrocities, the same that we've done in Holland and France, and everybody's done atrocities in their in their own time. But it's just this deluded delusion of grandeur mm. of what it was, you know. And it's an island mentality as well, you know. I'm I'm just I'm just for me I see London as you know London is to the UK as Barcelona is to Spain and yeah. probably Lisbon and probably Porto now catching up a little bit is to Portugal. If you go outside Lisbon and Porto, people are you know they're, they're narrow minded. You know here in the Algarve, if I tell people yeah yeah I'm into broken beat, what the fuck is that? They will say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's um, yeah. because London and Barcelona and Lisbon are so. Well, I'm not comparing because London is the biggest of them all. How many million now? Nine million people in London? Gosh, wow, it is that big, isn't it? But, you know, it's it's um, a melting pot of cultures and nationalities. And obviously, people are going to be more open-minded, I think, you know. Um, I wasn't, I didn't used to be as political as I am now, Imran. Uh, I'm telling you, man. Um, It's kind of saddening as well, you know, because I was never into politics. I'm... I'm the sort of naive, yes, everything is lovely and smiley and people should just, you know, roll it yeah. and just smoke it and relax and enjoy life, man. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a bit of my motto. I like to be a bit of a clown as well, um, even though I don't write jokes. I think I'm a bit of a comedian. You know, I love making people laugh. I love to laugh about my own self, uh, you know, um, and... Yes, London. London is, you know, I thought London would, was going to bring me way more stuff than it's brought me so far, to be honest. I'm a little bit disappointed, Imran. I'm not going to lie. And that, How so? In, in, what, in work-wise or DJ-wise? You um, work-wise is fantastic. I cannot. Oh, great. Work-wise is fantastic. You know, I'm a freelancer. I've got an agency. There's another agency trying to grab my CV as well. I need to do that. Amazing. And, um, you know, I get, I get, kind of block booked but to work in different places but mm. this last one they asked me to start cutting promos as well because all these years i've been i've been there 11 years so finished my degree in film and broadcast in london london metropolitan university transferred from portugal um in 2008 so i finished that whilst i was working at the Oxford tower brasserie as a receptionist oh wow Thai, using making use of the correct oxford english for all of the rich people, you know, <laughs> hello, sir, hello, madam, good evening, good evening, madam, good evening. Have you got a reservation with us? You know, hands behind my back, sort of straight. Pop. Very good. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I love languages as well, and I never used to. I was more mathematics and geometry. I wanted to be a civil engineer or an architect, but then I went into television. Took a, you know, didn't go to university. I took a video editing professional course in, in a private school in Portugal, got employed, worked for RTP for six months, then worked for a year and a half for a small production company, uh, doing camera assisting and assisting, assisting studio, assisting editing as well. And then, you know, um, changed to physical education and sport because I'm, I was very sporty, not now. Uh, I'm heavier, and got a belly and I'm middle-aged and I'm... <laughs> sedentary or sedentary the way you say it you know um but yeah that's my background you know it's film broadcasting then sports and then because i thought i can't survive in portugal doing um, music and video editing so 
I might as well do it on the side and get a degree that can get me like a normal job that can pay my bills and make me put food on the table. So I took physical education and sports because I thought I love gymnastics as well. Diving and gymnastics, you know, wow. acrobatic. I was a trampoline gymnast for five years. Oh my gosh, really? Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And um, I love all of that, you know, the special orientation, the coordination, the everything. And um, that made me go into physical education and think, okay, I can teach PE and sports in schools or become a gymnastics coach, you know, and do music composing on the side, my DJing, my freelance video editing in Portugal. And then I thought, you know, I've joined physical education and sports and done it for five years. And then I realized the competitive world of gymnastics is very, very harsh. They're very harsh to the children because most of the coaches, they project themselves and they're frustrated past uh, as, a, as a gymnast. Right. They project themselves into the kids and with a lot of aggressive, um, you know, approaches. Like little little girls, they were five. They were doing the spreads, on, uh, sitting, not sitting. They, they had two chairs and they, had, they were doing the spreads with one foot on each chair so they were already arched and the, the female coach came on top of their shoulders. They were crying already and she came in, pushed, pushed him down even further. And I was watching that because I had to do an analysis of two weeks of um, training, you know, to mm. have statistics for my final essay, blah, 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 specialization in, in gymnastics. And I saw that and I thought, no, man, I've joined, I've, I was a trampoline gymnast. I started being at the age of 23 because my mom and dad, they couldn't put me into gymnastics and my physical complexion wasn't the best as well, you know, to be able to take me to Lisbon because I'm from the outskirts of Lisbon, almost by the sea, you know. It's a lovely place. And um, because they couldn't take me to gymnastics, I thought, okay, cool, I'm going to try and be a coach. And then I, I saw that. It was so harsh. broke my heart. And I thought, okay, I can try and be a, a PE and sports teacher in schools. And there was um, my gymnastics coach. He wanted to go on holiday. So he asked me to replace him for two weeks in winter so he can go on mm. holiday. So I taught gymnastics, trampoline, mini trampoline and double mini trampoline, not the elastic bed, to um, a class of kids from the age of six to 12. And I mean, I'm very patient, but education is not for me, especially mm. with physical activities because you know, I had several modules that, that taught us how to teach as well and what do children find, um, you know, that is focusing or making them unfocus in them having all the modules sitting, like English and maths and this and that and history and biology, blah, blah, blah. They're all always sitting down. So when it comes to physical education sports, it's when they explode, so to speak. You know what I mean? Mm, yes. Put yeah. all their energy into it and they... Um, you know, they're terrible. I, I can't bear children. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why I gave up and, and then thought, okay, I'm going to change back to film and broadcast and try to work on TV and, or something. <laughs> and after two years in Portugal, I visited my friend Bruno. He was already living in London. And he had a successful career in Portugal as an HR manager. Um, he, he graduated from university with top grades. Uh, some sort of company headhunted him got him a job this was 20 years ago he was already earning like 2500 pounds in portugal with a company car he had to wear a suit and tie obviously but back then and after a year and a half and he said i'm frustrated man i'm a music i'm a creative guy i want you know screw this this thing i'm going to london so he wow. quit his job told his mum, quit his job went to london 
you know, took a web design course whilst making beds at, at the Easy Hotel, the Easy Chat Hotel, and then moved on to working in a little restaurant. And when he finished his his degree, someone someone saw his talent and grabbed him, and um, he started working as a, an assisting designer at AKQA. Um, or, or was it Microsoft he went to, to the, the, the Xbox Microsoft? Did oh, that. my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And then he worked there for four years. Then he moved on to um, work for AKQA. And then after AKQA, he went freelance. Now he's in Ibiza with his girlfriend. They have two wonderful kids. And whenever he needs money, which is every two years, he comes to do a stint of work. He's so good, such a good designer, web designer. And, you know, branding, he knows all about that. Senior art directing, blah, blah, blah. And he does, wow. he comes to London, he contacts his two agencies and he comes to London and, right, I'm going to be there, planning on being there from October or September to December. Have you got work for me? And they, his email, it's flooded because he's so good. People want him, you know, so plenty of offers. So he comes in and earns like a daily rate of 400 pounds for a stint wow. of three months. So imagine that, you know, and that's the sort of stuff I want to start to be able to do because honestly, music wise, London has a, got a lot to offer. But if you're a working person and you know, middle, ah, I'm, I don't want to call myself middle aged, man. This sounds really old. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, middle aged, almost middle aged man like, like, like me, uh, you know, I was more active, I was a skateboarder and trampoline gymnastics and blah, 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 and all of that. I've, I'm starting to find London a bit exhausting and I cherish these simpler moments here i'm you know i'm talking to you and watching outside the window of my house here in the algarve my mom and i've got a sort of beach house which is you mm. know, I can't see the sea but i can see clear blue skies and the sun hitting on my face you know and i'm starting to after 11 years because i moved to london thinking right i'm going to get involved with more people from the broken beat scene and get get more involved at the very beginning i was so busy with my job full-time and university full-time that I was going to uni Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. 5 p.m. I would run, grab my bicycle with my suit on my backpack and to be ready at 5.30 with my suit on to work at the Oxford Tower. So the first two years were full-on. No time to music venues, no time to... few few gigs here and there, you know. I didn't, I didn't, need, didn't even know the existence of... Well, I did, but you know, I completely forgot plastic people. Never went to plastic people, you know, for the corporates. Wow. So after two years in London, you know, I finally start being a runner at a post-production company because a very good friend of mine told me, you know, you don't want to be doing this restaurant stuff for the rest of your time. You need to start and climb up the ladder. What do you want to do? I said, well, I want to be a dubbing mixer, an audio dubbing mixer. I'd love to do that. Okay, so you have to start as a runner. He said, here's the addresses and names where you can uh, drop the CV to these post-production companies and so on, go there. It was really, really kind, you know. I'll never forget him. It's Hugh. He's, um, he's a Welsh guy, really nice guy, working for MPC for years and years and years, like as a librarian. Um, mm. MPC is the 3D main post house and so on, you know. Right. I'm, I'm very technological, as you, as you can tell. Sure. <laughs> Video editing, I love music making, I love DJing, I love all this stuff and trampoline gymnastics and skateboarding, you know, they come. So was, was DJing always supposed to be the end game or was, have you only ever looked at it as a hobby? Because obviously your day job is 
involves an incredible amount of time and skill and talent which you've invested in but was DJing ever supposed to be the actual end goal or was it only just for fun and uh, uh, something of a hobby um DJing started very early in my life you know it started it started roughly when I was 13 I was so lucky because my mom and dad they love music as, as well but they weren't musicians. My mom used to sing for some sort of, um, you know, folk, um, you know, little group on the little village that she used to live. And they had That's so cool. They had folklore sessions on Sundays. People would come up with the accordion and percussion, like the adouf, like very Portuguese, traditional, typical, um, well, maybe a bit Irish, I would say, but you know, history-wise, I'm I'm zero. I'm rubbish a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the background, folk background. My my mom right. used to listen to fado, so I remember from my ground crawling days as a child um, to be exposed to um, all different kinds of music via vinyl records and cassettes and radio. You know, and right. um, you know, they loved music and that made me love music as well to the point that I was, I was five and I was, I had, I didn't have drums, drumsticks, but I found some sort of toy that had two metal poles and I used them, decided to use them as my drumsticks, drumsticks for my drumming on my mom's living room couch, which was sort of, had a sort of plasticky cover. So I was drumming on that to the sounds of uh, a program every Sunday called Top Plus that was the top 20 from from the UK, most, mostly hits from the right. top, UK Top 20. And I remember being five and having been drumming to that, to the point that at the age of seven, my mom and dad, they put me in a, in a private school uh, to learn music theory and keyboards. But at the age of seven, you don't, you know, music theory didn't stick to me because right. I spent six years there. I got to the vast clef uh, in six years. But mm-hmm. when you're seven, <clears throat> I was 13. And then it was at the exact point that I was ter- 13 after after dropping that school. And I was playing keyboards and I was playing, you know, imagine me at the age of seven um, coming home from the musical classes and mom and dad really excited. So what did you learn today? Play it for us, play it for us. And I was like, oh, mom, come on. So bored. Come on. I don't, I don't want this, blah, blah, blah. But I played it with, with you know, with the brilliance. Um, I was, I am, I am, I, um, my, one of my uncles called me, uh, he, he thinks that I'm a bit autistic, <laughs> which I don't. Oh, see. really? Well, okay. I don't, I don't see it as a, a, a bad thing. You know, some people are more stimulated than, than others. Some people are more, people like to use this word now, woke. Uh, I don't think I'm super woke, but you know, I'm I'm very dynamic. I'm very I'm like um I'm like an everyday bulldog, so to speak. Anyway, DJing. I digress. I'm sorry. I <laughs> know you're welcome to. My my mom and dad put me put me in that school to learn keyboards from the age of seven, and then I dropped at thirteen, and um, I was playing with records at home already. And I remember when I was twelve or eleven or twelve, I think. I asked my mom and dad, can I, can I get two turntables and a mixer? Because I already had a keyboard. Um, I had a, a, a huge set of speakers. You know, I had a, a great mixer. And, um, you know, and 
at the age of 13, I asked them for two turntables and they gave me two SL10 1210s back then, which I sold, stupidly sold, years and years after where the CD advent came through in the 90s. I thought, oh, I will never, no more. That was wrong. <laughs> anyway, so they got me the two turntables. So I started DJing at home, DJing in between commas. I was starting to learn the trickery. At the same time, a local radio station um, was kind of amateur pirates and they, they had openings for, for radio shows. And I decided, okay, let me do a, a radio show for kids. I was 13 and I was doing mm. a radio show in Portuguese with, um, with um, child music or uh, music for children, you know, like twinkle, twinkle, little star sort of things. <laughs> <laughs> really, I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not even embarrassed because that's part of my history. And it's part of my past, but you know, then I moved on to, to do, um, um, you know, a requests, a show that was three hours. The first hour was requests sponsored by some sort of business, local business that wanted advertising. The second mm -hmm. hour was pop and rock from the 80s because I'm from 75 and, you know, 85, that was 88, 89, 90. That was when I started doing the DJing at home and then private parties and the radio show at the same time. And I started... Um, to save my pocket money, to put myself on the bus to Lisboa, because I live in Mafra, which is, you know, like, it used to be an hour and a half away on the bus. Now it's mm -hmm. quicker because we've got highways. So me at the age of 14, I was saving my pocket money, my mzada, monthly money that my mom and dad would give me, um, to go to Lisbon, put myself on the bus alone, and go to Lisbon to the record stores and buy house music. My gosh, so, wow. So uh, DJing started a little bit because I am super passionate about music, as you know. Um, Absolutely. Or as you might realize, I think. Yes. <laughs> I think it shows, you know. Um, huge, diverse background. So DJing came to me a bit connected with the love of music, being a musician as well. I started also playing keyboards in a rock covers band when I was 15, 16. And then an original, we made an original rock band, sang in Portuguese. Oh, wow. And I was also the keyboard player and back, backing vocal singer for that. Then I moved on and had a couple of cover 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 band projects. One was specifically and strictly Jamiroquai, where I was playing <laughs> keyboards with two turntables and I would pick up the original records, 12 inches, because they had a cappellas from Jamiroquai, I've got loads of them on vinyl. And I would strap wow. the acapellas on top of the band playing. And that's, oh, excellent. That's awesome. That, that's the reason why I own Newmark's TTX1, because back then they were the only turntables with a digital output that would let me do um, a pitch correction. Um, right. Not tempo, but tone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got so you. I would... Yeah. I would Firstly, I would turn that function off, and the band, the, the band would say, "Okay, we're going to play." Um, 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 I don't know, doing gravity without moving, traveling without moving. That's going to be an A, A, in the key of A. Okay, so let me just. I would put the record on, and I would tune the a cappella using the pitch button to to the A note because maybe it wasn't wasn't on an A note and you know with vinyl pressing you you always get a little bit of um you know things 
maybe they do it on purpose, but things are not straight toned as in, oh, you could play a record on the pitch with the pitch on zero and straight up, if you know it's an E major, you can go to your keyboard and play it in E major and it will sound nice. Sometimes records are a bit detuned, I think, you know. So I was tuning my Jamiroquai acapellas to the band and then I would hit the, the not the tempo lock, but the note lock. How do they call it? You've, you've got it on CDs. It's the key lock, you know. The key doesn't... Okay, play. all right. So I could then move the pitch tempo-wise, but maintaining the key. So that the band, if they wanted to play faster or slower, uh, my records would still be in tune of in whatever key the band was playing, uh, virtual wow. or blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So Genius, wow. Yeah, in Portugal, I was always very, very connected to DJing in private parties, which led me to my residency six years in Sociedad Anonima, one of the biggest clubs outside of Lisbon, near Ericeira. Ericeira is a, is a beach village, so to speak. So people would come from Lisboa to Ericeira to spend the weekend because it's sunny. And we had clubs as well. They were playing house too. I've got my house moments, but I started as a rock DJ. So I started DJing there after my radio show and after um, on, the, on the local radio station and after uh, being invited to DJ for two parties. Some guy um, spotted me and, you know, and told this club owner, Sociedad Anonima, club owner. You need to come and listen to this this kid, man. This kid is wicked. You know, I was 14 or 15. Yeah, I was 15. So the age to go into the clubs was 16. I wasn't even old enough (laughs) to go into a club. And they invited me because that club was, and this is where my musical background comes from. Fado music, traditional Portuguese folk music. But then the key perpetrators, um, BGs, Boney M, ABBA. Oh my gosh, wow, Green, okay. Queen, Police, Zenyatta right. Mondata, and Stevie Wonder. There's, um, you know, um, you know, Dusk Dubs, um, John Brent. Right, yeah. He's, um, he's, uh, he asked me to do a Dusk Dubs, so that's all going to be on my Dusk Dubs. Uh, my, oh, amazing. My musical X-ray. So, you know, but, but I'm talking to you, so... Uh, those were the main records that were in my mom and dad's record collection, you know, alongside with a lot of Brazilian rubbish, Samba, mm. Carnival, sort of, you know, New Year's Eve sort of music, um, but some some African gems as well um, from Angola, from Cabo Verde, some Cesaria Evora. So I was exposed to a lot of different music, you know, and um I had also a, a pop and rock background through the television I was watching because we had no internet back, back then. And the only records that would come from the UK and the United States were the only big hits that the subsidiary labels in Portugal would re-release in Portugal. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, I, you know, my, my, I'm, 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 I, have, I have a very mainstream background. So that big club was hosting 2,000 people every weekend and was playing from 10 p.m. till midnight the house and techno of that time was not was shake your head uh technotronic pump up the jam uh black box right on time little wow. lewis french kiss this was extended obviously through to 96 because i you know i was there yeah i was 15 so i joined in 1990 and um so was playing those sort of tunes 
and then at midnight the opening track the the, the changeover for a more pop and rock atmosphere was Bob Marley's Could You Be Loved and people go oh right cool and then a bit of R&B and hip hop um, progressing into stuff like John Cougar Mellencamp Man at Work David Bowie Talking Heads um, you know Roxy Music uh, and then progressing into Led Zeppelin into uh, ACDC into Thin Lizzy into um, heavier stuff I remember playing Enter Sandman from Metallica at 4am followed by Nirvana's uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit and the wow. bands on the following weeks they were coming up to me around 3am Rui when you think you're going to play Metallica and Nirvana we want to be ready because last week we had complaints of people doing mosh pit so it's a big <laughs> club and then at 3am so imagine this my experience every single Saturday for six years in a row starting with House and Techno from 10pm till midnight and then from midnight till 5.30am that progression from R&B hip hop, pop rock, soft rock, hard rock and then brand new heavies Jamiroquai to send people on a high and my my ending tunes would be three of them. It would, would be either Nina Simone's Nobody Cares But Me. Hmm. Um, yeah, commercial mainstream choice. Wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. Green, let's stay together. And uh, You Are the Sunshine of My Life from Stevie Wonder. You know, wow. always closing with those tracks because there was a lot of drunken people at 6 a.m. After so much distortion guitars and pop music and, you know, uh, that that gave me an amazing background. I wasn't a beat. Ma- I was only a beat matcher through the the first two hours of my DJ set in the Sociedad Anonima Club, because the rest was basic selecting radio DJing. Sometimes I would maybe I would maybe beat match, start me up to the end of uh, John Cougar Mellencamp's "Hurt So Good." Come on, baby, make it hurt so good. Sometimes love don't feel like you should, you baby. It hurts so good. And then I would put the down, 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 People would go wild because people would, were a bit fed up of most of the clubs in Lisbon being the real underground house and techno. Right. Music heads wouldn't, they weren't, Portuguese people had a bit of a hard time, I think with um, absorbing the electronic music culture, you see. That's, at least that's my feeling. And that's my background. But then after I quit Sociedad Anonima, I started DJing in smaller bars. And um, a friend of mine, you know, got me to listen to some tribal house, and progressive house. And I kind of fell for it. Fell, not in a bad way. You know, I love the, the wicked bass lines. I'm not into psychedelic stuff. You know, but right. my background after that, that those DJing moments was uh, tribal house from from Spain, mostly choosing Ceballos, the the Portuguese legends, DJ Vibe and Pete the Zook, and um, um, there's more, there's more. You know, I was into all of that, um, and then um, from progressive house and tribal house, tribal brought me to some Afro influenced deep house records. You know, and from that onwards came the internet. And around, (laughs) I don't know when I had internet. I can't remember for the life of me. I'm sorry, chronologically. But I remember the internet and me being all excited. Oh, let me, you know, I was buying 
vinyl on eBay, second-handed. And then, you know, I had a PayPal account and I went into Groove Tech, I think. It used to be called Groove Tech. There's, there's, there's where I where I got most of my Deep House from, because from Dex.de as well, because from Germany was cheaper postage-wise to send records to Portugal. So, you know, being a band member, keyboard player, drummer, um, you know, DJing and being involved with music and in the meantime doing physical education and sports in university, blah, de, blah, de, blah, all of that, you know, um, I ended up through Deep House, I ended up on Groove Tech or Groovement Records or something like that. There was a website that doesn't exist anymore. And I think it turned into Juno Records. They had okay. the best offer. So I was researching Deep House. I found drum and bass too. And I went, wow, this is wicked. You <laughs> know? So I got in touch with those genres when I was still in Portugal. And there was a record. I'll never forget this moment. It was in 2004. I discovered Broken Beat quite late. But I knew I had it, you know, some of, some of the tracks that I used to play, like Black Magic Woman from Santana. It's such a mainstream track, but it's Afro. It's got mm. syncopation. And I love syncopation. That's why I love Broken Beat, in case you didn't, want, you didn't notice. Um, but, you know, I was, you know, I was getting all those influences through some, some jazz as well. Even Sting, you know, Stuart Copeland, you know, introducing drumming elements from from what they call the West Indies, man. You know, that's that was fascinating to, to watch that little documentary or interview or something like that. And um, because I was always exposed to, to this, I'll never forget, 2004, um, I was, you know, adding to cart some Deep House records because I was into instrumental, deep, jazzy, soulful, funky house. And... Alegre 2004 from Truby Trio on Compost Records, the Louis Vega Elements of Life remix comes through. Who bought this also bought this record. And Rui goes there and clicking on his DSL connection, if you know what DSL <laughs> yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, yes, gosh, I have horror, horror memories of that, yeah. Remember Napster and Soulseek? Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, I remember those. Gosh. That was when I started having internet, so... I was downloading illegally, which I don't do now anymore. Only if I'm going to bootleg something in Ableton, then I'll go to the YouTube clip and I'll rip it. I don't care. But, you know, that record, um, Trubi Trio, um, Allegri 2004. Wow. I was like, wow, this is, this is still four by four, but it's not the thump, 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 boring beat of house. And it's got musicality on it. Wow, I love this. Add it to cart. And then Who Bought This also bought the Jazz and Over Remixes compilation, 1997. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I got a copy of that as well. My yeah. mind was blown away. Yeah. Blown away and sold for eternity in running. <laughs> Honestly, because, you know, being exposed to a lot of different music, pop, rock, hip-hop you know i had my hip-hop um, phase where it could be because of being a skateboarder you know i was listening to stuff like cypress hill obviously the classics della soul tribe called quest um you know souls of mischief um you know and then i, I had a heavy metal i, I was into limp biscuit green day bad religion you know that sort of stuff because 
you know, there's no barriers for me, man. I think if music is good, it's good. And absolutely, it, yeah, it's timeless as well. I don't care if uh, I'm going to chuck a record in my set that is 20 years old and I don't care. Obviously, mm. my radio show has progressed into uh, all the new releases. You know, I hardly, yeah. have, I hardly have all the records playing on my show now, but that's that's got to stop because I've been spending too much money on vinyl. Yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned the Jazzanova one because I, I'm by no means as uh, immersed into Broken Beat as yourself. Yeah. Um, like I, I have a, I have a genuine affection for it, but yeah. I think my, my, if I had to trace it back, I would, I would agree. I think that Jazzanova record, and then that led me to the In Between album, and I think for Heroes Creating Patterns are my very nice. specific introductions to to Broken Beat, I think, from back then. Yeah, yeah I have that's, to agree. That's where, I, that, that's where I got to as well, you know, from, from compost records and rummaging through the compost catalogue. Uh, yeah. Flash, um, Beanfield, um, other names like um, Slope. Oh, my God. Um, New Spirit Helsinki. Um, yeah, Helsinki. Amazing, amazing things that... Also led me to get to know Four Hero and then uh, People Records co-op as well. You know mm-hmm. uh, that sort of co-op. You sound. I found some gems on True Thoughts, which is a label that I absolutely adore. Yeah. You know? I love True Thoughts. Yeah, me too. Me too, man. And you know, it's. I've tried. I've tried. I've sent my tracks. Um, oh, really? Amazing. Years ago, man, and um, it was still. I think it was two thousand and ten. Oh my God, that's 10 years ago now, or 2020. Wow. Um, and I sent it on a, a letter, a CDR, with five of my original tracks burned, Made in Reason 2.0 back, back then. And um, Robert Louis replied over an email three years afterwards. Wow. Bless him, man. I, I, I always big him up every time I, I met him. I met him twice already, um, one at the Roundhouse and another one somewhere else. I think he was coming to a gig in London and I went there and he was there and I was, you know, talkative and chatty and nice. You know, I had a True Thoughts t-shirt on me. <laughs> so, Convenient. <laughs> that, that helps, you know. <laughs> he was a really nice guy, man. I love uh, Robert. So, um, and I always tell him this, the story. He replied, he was really nice. He said, Rui, thank you for sending uh, the demo. I'm so sorry that we're only replying three years afterwards, but we've been extremely busy with the label. And you have no idea how many demo envelopes we get a week, mm. blah, blah, blah. But, you know, um, I heard I heard your tracks. Unfortunately, I don't think they suit the label. Um, and I can't recommend any other label. But, you know, do keep in touch. Um, you know, maybe in the future, keep sending stuff. Sort of thing. You know, it was really nice. That's and, incredible. I can't believe yeah. you did that. That's amazing. So now I'm releasing that track the main track which is called the bright future i've got oh, wonderful for eight years now i haven't sent it to anybody else because i made that track for the love of truth thoughts in quantic which is who is mm. the main influence for me but the older quantic not the new quantic you know i love quantic on um, mishaps happening that's a gorgeous album. Yeah. I love Quantic on um, what's the one with the sun and all the colors? Where Stampede. The, yeah, it, it's the one that's got yeah Stampede. Is it Stampede? It's Stampede, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is it? I thought 
I never. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> it's definitely the well. It's the one I'm thinking of with the with the with the the cover as you describe it. Maybe it's not that. That might be a Quantic Soul Orchestra album. No, no, it's definitely okay. Quantic Solo. I I do appreciate Quantic Soul Orchestra and all of his side project. No, it's called Apricot Morning. Oh right, of course. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I had to open a, a, a Discord. Yeah, I own almost all of his albums on vinyl. Mm. There's a lot. There's I don't a lot. Think I've got the Death of Revolution with the Flowering Inferno, uh-huh. and that's it. Everything else I own, and um, proud owner. I met him once at one of the co-op parties. Oh wow! And I was so, you know, starstruck because yeah. I think it's silly, but. That's what made me move to London as well, you know, Imran. It's it's it was to be in touch with with these people, and um, I was so lucky to get booked to play We Out Here Festival. And yeah, I amazing, up, yeah. I ended up through um, my friend Iona, who's a dancer. She's an amazing dancer. And she goes. She used to go more often to all of the jazz dance parties and like Ding Walls and out to lunch and Brock up in Birmingham, and that's where I met her. And um, she's really nice as well. And uh, she said, I gave her the guest ticket. She was really, really happy. And she said, oh, I might have someone joining. And someone you like. Oh. And I'm like, who? It's someone you adore, actually. <laughs> One of your heroes. Like, what? Yes. Uh, I'm bringing Orin Walters, Afronaut, to Gosh. bring his tent. And we're going to spend the weekend, we out here, in his tent. And we did. Wow. And it was wicked, man. Oren is such a nice guy. I don't want to play sides. I know I know there's you know there's discrepancies in between commas in the broken beat scene. And uh, you know, people are, I think they're people I think they're still a bit all a bit underground. They wanna keep it to themselves, I think. I see very few talent coming coming up. Um that you know, like foot 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 shooter is one of them. That solved, right. you know, foot foot shooter um, on Yam Records. Um, you know, there's there's a few more. There's um, that Captain Over guy. Okay, EVM one two eight, great great driving force of the Broken Beat team, especially with his dance regular parties as well, because it's really nice. Broke up. I was going to Broke up for a year. I almost went every month. You know, I went. Crazy, you know, booking off weekends from work to put myself on a coach and go to Birmingham at 6 p.m. on a Saturday, enjoy Brook up, and then coming back on a coach at 4 a.m., you know, with wow. Red Bull cans and some split. <laughs> and because it's the, the only Broken Beach Pacific night that's running anywhere in the world. And EVM is bringing that with Dance Regular in London, you know, it's bringing mm-hmm. those vibes as well. And that's the only thing that will make me brokenhearted. But I start, if I leave London, that is, I start thinking about it, Imran. And I think, okay, I've been here 11 years. How many Broken Beat events I went to that I really enjoyed and that it would make me decide to stay here for a longer period, you know? And I count them from, you know, from the fingers of one hand. Every year, there's no more than four to five interesting gigs, man. And for that, I'm starting to realize if it's not more worth it to try and be a working from home or remotely freelancer, but living in Portugal and going to London for the occasional work stint 
or DJ gigs, DJ sets, if I get that successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to be. I don't want to be a superstar DJ, man. Uh, I love music, but I, want, I would love to be able to, you know, wait the start of my label to get more remix collaborations, like with the modern jazz dance classics, you know. But get more involved with the with the Broken Beat Cats themselves, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but the We Out Here Festival, I mean, that's a huge feather in the cap, isn't it? Oh, Imran, I was so lucky, man. Did I tell you this? Yeah. Uh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. But but that's the point, though, in terms of the, the accolade attached to that is, I mean, that's that's going to be tough to beat, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say yes, because because of the brand as well in itself mm, it's absolutely charles peterson it's brownswood you know but this is this is the genuine me speaking i was lucky to get that gig because someone saw my passion in my radio show um it's a guy called he works for brownswood now and hence the reason why he was given the curation for it because he works for the brownswood label so he works on the premises and he used to have um, a radio show on Radar Radio. And I was invited from him. It's called El Tel, Terry Juarez. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he invited me to do a, a guest um, radio show. It was when the Momenta 7 was released, my first ever remix pressed on vinyl via my very good dear friend Tom Funk, Lazy Robot Records. Mm-hmm. Um, and he heard it and he, he big me up, played it on, on his show and then invited me to do a half an hour broken beat pre-recorded set or what, an, an hour. So I've done it to play on his radar radio show. And then, um, he quit radar. He went on and he didn't find a radio station, but then he tweeted me a private message on Twitter, um, you know, saying, Oh, I've seen your posts. Big up for buying the Kokoroko album. I'm working at Brownswood now. Send me a tweet, um, direct message tweet. And I was like, oh, wow, dude, thanks, man. You know, long time no, no see. How, how have you been? You know, I've been, you know, oh, I'm on no, no radio session, but I'm working for Brownswood, the label now. So, and then I said, oh, no, no worries, man. You know, you're, you're passionate. You're a passionate dude. Uh, always loved your show. Uh, I try to listen every time I can. And I think you're you're such a nice guy. You know, you deserve a break. Um, you deserve people to help you out, man, because you should be out there more. Are you going to out here festival, he asked. And I said, and this was last year. It was the first year that I became a freelancer, full-time freelancer. Mm. I've been working from uh, well, different post-production companies after the three first years of, you know, hospitality in London. And then I was a runner, and then I was an edit assistant, and then I became freelance, okay? So last year was the first year that I went freelance full-time, and then I thought to myself, I need the sun. I need three months in Portugal. So I've booked a ticket to go out in July, 1st of July, and come back the end of September. And I thought hardly about we out here. I thought that I really wanted to go because, come on, lineup, enough. Yeah. You know, Giles Peterson curated um, the lineup itself. It was just astonishing. And I said, I really want to go, but I'm at the same time, I'm so exhausted. 
I'm just going to go and recharge myself and have a Zen time. And that's what I've done. I always come to my mom and dad to this, this very house that I'm in now, you know, it's in the Algarve. My mom and dad, they always come here and spend July and I come and join them. Used to come for two weeks now, you know, and, um, and he asked me, so no, I'm not going out here. Why? And he said, you know, all the blah, blah, blah again about, dude, I love your show. You know, you're so talented, blah, blah, blah. And I want to give you a shot. I'm working at Brownswood right now. And I, there's going to be, um, there's a, a restaurant called Braun. And they're going to have a restaurant tent in the festival. And this is a last minute thing. And they've given me the curation for that tent in terms of DJs. Do you want to play there? (laughs) Imagine, you know, so that's why I say I'm very lucky, Imran. You know, um, it's, uh, I didn't dig for it. I didn't search for it uh, because I like to keep myself quiet in my very corner. Um, Because I, I, I think I've got that stupidity, naive, behavior of not wanting to bother anybody you know because i i also like my own space and time yeah. and i feel that oh I'm, no i'm not gonna bother oh yeah i'm really feeling i've got a radio show and blah de, blah i'm gonna start i'm gonna have to start doing that more often if i want my label to get somewhere at least the breaking even point because i want to release on vinyl you know but because i'm always that person you know i'm always like oh you know it's like I'm always very quiet and defensive. And um, he said, dude, you know, just own it, man. As EVM128 told me when he invited me for the co-op show on Worldwide FM, that was because he was hosting a party on Thursday before. Um, um, at the, it wasn't at the Rolling Stock, I think. I can't remember. It was not one under a bridge. And he said, yeah, dude, love your track, man. Bring the vinyl. Because I had a seven or a copy of a seven to give him. So I went there. They they had no styluses, so I couldn't play it. And he was like, Ah, dude, this is annoying. Tell you what, do you wanna to come tomorrow to the Worldwide FM show? The co op presents. And I'm like, What? Wow. What? <laughs> you know? I'm like, my first reaction was, Is IG and Alex gonna be okay with that? And Luke, EVM went to wait, looked me in my face and said, Rui man. You know, I know you're a nice guy and everything and everything, but, you know, stop being so coy about things. Just own it, man. Got a wicked track here. I'm inviting you. You're my guest. We're going to play your remix on the show. And maybe we'll have a little interview and everything. So that was it, you know. That was not me asking for anything. Yeah. And because I'm, I have got that, that stupidity behavior of, oh, I'm not going to bother anybody. And mm. out here, festival, that's why I feel blessed, man, because... It was that guy, um, you know, El Tell, was following my show, played my remix, bought my seven, played played it on his show. Amazing. Invited me for a guest mix, started working at Brownswood and said, Rui, mate, you know, I think you deserve a shot. He likes Broken Beat as well. So, but he plays a lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff. He's multi-genre. He's more eclectic than I am, way more, you know, but... He said, do you want to play? How, how would you feel? And then I said, yeah, man, <laughs> I'll book a flight, I guess, from Portugal to out here and then from out here to Portugal. And that's what I've done. This last summer was amazing, man, you know? Yeah. 
So it was yeah. a magical thing to have happened, wasn't it? it like it, it was when know, I saw it, I was very excited for you. Imran, thanks, man. Imran, and I was very excited for myself too. And you know, you know what, you know what made me more happy? It, it was, it was the fact that someone that I don't know or didn't know um, was listening to my show. Yeah, and um, was touched by them by by the passion I kind of transpire. I think you know, and the effort of curating. Uh, it used to be a weekly show. That was hard work, man, doing all the <laughs> That was hard work. But then I became a freelancer and it was just undoable, you know. So yeah. that's, that's why I do it monthly now, you know. Mm. But that, 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 that for me is what makes me smile the most is he saw my talent and he said, I want to give you a shot, mate. You know, I've been giving this curation. I want to put you Saturday night, 10 p.m., 10 till midnight. How do you feel about that? And Tim Garcia from Musica Macondo, they'll play midnight to 2 a.m. How do you feel about that? Said, That's wicked, man. <laughs> gave me a free ticket with a guest ticket, which I gave to Iona. And I believe in energies, Imran. And I think, I think life is a journey and you come across different people and different parts in your journey and you should, you should try and be friendly enough and positive and optimistic to, you know, to try to try to have a good vibe on you that maybe can be contagious to others, you know, that make this world a better place at utopic. I'm a bit like that. I'm a bit like I'm watching the blue sky now and smiling <laughs> and talking to you. You know what I mean? But I believe in energies and I believe that the energies that I've been putting in my show uh, without me asking, um, you know, I've headlined Brook Up in Birmingham once and with SDJ on the first two times I went there. And those for me, Brook Up, Boom Festival in Portugal in 2018, and We Out Here last year are the highlights of my 30 years career. But- Dude, yeah, it's, well, like you say, though, it's it's exciting to hear that you know like the we out here thing happened the way it did and and i think i'm i'm very much hoping uh that yeah as you say that you you put positive energy out there and it comes back but i i I think i mentioned about picking a closing song uh did you did you manage to to think of one uh uh in in advance to sort of end end this in the show we're today oh my days (laughs) too hard because you know you give me a chance of choosing one track to define One well, in fairness, you'll have a, a track for next week as well. So that might make it a little better. Okay, Stevie Wonder, signed, Seal Delivered, I'm yours. Wow, not what I expected, but perfect. And that's an excellent. What did you expect? Something broken beat, right? I did. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's why I went, oh, shit, that's a hard question because I need to go through my mental hard drive now and blah, right. blah. <laughs> and the record that I really love because I love a lot of records from more recent times too. You know, there are brilliant yeah. records out there, but I always go back to the classics, man. And Stevie Wonder is is my soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie, Wonder, Stevie Wonder, that's super cool. It's a perfect choice. I like that a lot. Yeah, signs he'll deliver. I'm yours.
Shame. 